God, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts afar off. You comprehend my path and are acquainted with all my ways. You know every word on my tongue. You know exactly what I'm going to say. You know it all together. And you laid your hand on me anyway. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? In you I find acceptance. If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. It's when I read your scripture that I understand, God, that you care. Father, help me comprehend that you are the beginning and the end. You say even night shall be light about me. Father, let your light surround me. There is no way I can ever hide or pretend. God, you form my innermost parts. You light up my path. Search me and know my heart and lead me in your way. In the way that lasts, Jesus, I give you my heart. All right, that's going to be where we're at this morning, Psalm 139. But first, I just want to thank this uh, crew leading this morning is from uh, Monroe City Church. Appreciate them coming up to help us out the last couple weeks. Uh, just giving our team a break from time to time. They do a great job and they work so hard. Uh, so really appreciate the folks from Monroe coming up. They're getting ready to launch very soon, hopefully. They've run into about every roadblock you can imagine trying to launch that church, uh, which means somebody doesn't want that church down there which means we got to get that church launched down there so they can start having an impact for the kingdom in that community. We're really excited about them and what Steve and, and Sarah are doing down there. Uh, but we are kicking off a new series this morning called Dangerous Prayers because we're in an interesting mode as people, as a community, as a nation, really as a world, uh, a bit of a transition season because uh, we're, we're coming out of this COVID thing. Everything feels different Personally, I, eventually we're going to do all the things normal, and I'm going to call it the new normal just so people think we changed something, but uh, it is what it is, right? But, but you're, you're going back to work, there's kids going back to school, they're doing school one way, and then they're doing school a different way. Uh, everything feels a little bit different, um, and, and we've got the election coming up, which of course just throws everything out of whack. And so it's been one of those stretches of, of time where I think we've all prayed a little bit more than usual. People who never pray have probably had a few words for God over the last six months in some way. People who have kind of dabbled with prayer have maybe gone a little bit further. But, but the tendency is for our prayers over the last six months or so to be very self-centered. Now, when I say self-centered, I don't mean in the way that a toddler is self-centered. I don't mean in the way that you would describe your favorite sister-in-law as being self-centered because that's, that's very negative, right? Like they're, they're selfish. But, but self-centered isn't necessarily negative. It just means it's kind of about you. And so the things that we've been praying over the last half year have been prayers for provision. God, man, I don't know what work is going to do. Please just continue to provide prayers for protection, that we're not going to be sick. Prayers for health. Prayers for wisdom of what to do as things change so rapidly. Prayers for our family, for our work situation, for our school situation. Maybe prayers regarding hopes and dreams that may or may not be possible coming out of this COVID season. So very self-centered prayers. And what I want to do over the next three weeks is present three, what I would call dangerous prayers. Not dangerous because you're going to be physically attacked by praying them, but dangerous prayers because they could change everything. They could take things that you like about your life, things that you think are okay, things that are good, and readjust them completely if God were to step in. These things are dangerous because they're not safe, they're not easy, they're not an expected thing to pray. Even as believers, they're dangerous because they're challenging and they have the potential to redirect your life 
if God were to choose to answer in a very real, very tangible way. They're, they're dangerous prayers because everything could change. And so these prayers, and we're going to hit one each week over the next three weeks, they are, God, search me, God, break me, and God, send me. Three dangerous prayers. Let's pray as we get ready to kick this off. Father, we, again, thank you for our time together this morning, and as we dive into some of these things over the next few weeks, I pray that you would challenge us. Uh, Help us to take a look at ourselves, take a look at you. Uh, find a way to bring those two things closer together. And God, as we are uh, challenged with three of these prayers, I pray that you would give us the courage to speak them to you, to pray them to you, and that we'd see you work in a very powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen. So dangerous prayers. This are things of it. It's hard to receive constructive criticism, right? It's hard to get feedback on something that is personal to you, something you've worked hard on, something that potentially impacts your future. Uh, Most of us at some point growing up are uh, asked to be in a speech class. Um, How many of you guys were in a speech class growing up, middle school, high school, or college, whatever? So we had, uh, I was in one in high school, then I took one in college as well. And what usually happens, what happened to me in each of those classes was they'd they'd step away from the teacher-evaluated thing for, for one or two times, and you'd give a speech, and then it would be peer evaluations. And so you'd give this speech, and all of a sudden, People that you know, friends of yours, people in this class are saying, yeah, I, I liked what you said there, but I didn't like what you said there. I disagree with that. I didn't like how you presented that. Change this. Do this differently. Good job there. And it's difficult because these people are looking right at you. This thing that you've worked on, this thing that you're proud of, this thing that's personal to you is now being what feels like attacked, right? They're just giving you feedback. Or, or some of you have annual performance reviews at work, maybe quarterly, depending on the field that you're in. And all of a sudden, your boss, your boss is looking at you saying, this was good, this wasn't good, these numbers were fine, these weren't, and you've poured your heart and soul into it, you're trying to provide for your family, trying to pursue a dream, and all of a sudden, someone who has some sense of authority over you is telling you what was good and what was bad. That's not easy. Even in the preaching world, uh, Joe and I have put ourselves in situations over the years where we preach to each other to provide some feedback and and ideas and how things were, and uh, you can lay this out different, put that in there, and take that out. Uh, I make Joe do that every time that he speaks, or if we have a volunteer who gets up here to speak, we ask them to do a practice for us, and we can give them feedback. I do it less because I'm the boss, and if I don't want to, I don't have to because it's <laughs> super awkward. I would rather preach to a stadium full of people than two people because it's like it's just awkward, right? And, but, but feedback is awkward. You're allowing them to critique what you have produced and what you're doing. It's even harder when you get into the family realm. There are times when Kathy has to pull me aside and say, hey, put your phone down when I'm talking to you because you don't remember anything that I'm saying. Or, hey, turn the TV off while we're putting the kids to bed. I need your help. And, and, and I disagree in the moment, right? But she's usually right because she knows me. And that's where it gets difficult because it's, it's sometimes hardest to receive criticism from the people that we love the most because we know that deep down they're probably right, right? They know us too well, and it's hard to admit that we might not be perfect, and yet it's one of the most important practices in life, sitting down with someone that you trust, asking them for constructive feedback, asking them to help you grow in an area that you care about immensely, even if it means it's going to create some difficult conversations or even create some difficult decisions that you have to make as a result of the feedback that they're giving you. And that leads to our first dangerous prayer of the series, because what you're doing whether you say it to them, 
or you acknowledge that you're willing to receive it, what you're saying is, search me. Based on what you know of me, what you know of my goals, what you know of my priorities, what you know of our family, what you know of the things that I want to accomplish, what do you see? And even what do you see that maybe I don't see? And this difficult process is hard enough with people, but it's necessary, but it's, it's not just supposed to be done with people. This is something that should be done with a God who knows us better than we know ourselves. And because of that, any growth process, any attempt to evolve and improve or receive feedback, any attempt to grow isn't complete without including God in the process, allowing him to speak into your life, allowing him to speak into your heart. And only then does that process have the ability to transform your life. So that leads us to Psalm 139. We hit this verse, uh, these couple of verses a few weeks ago. I think it was Labor Day weekend. Um, and I said, we're going to come back to it. And here we are, Psalm 139, right towards the end. This is uh, something that David gives us, verses 23 and 24. And he says this, Psalm 139, 23. Search me, God, and know my heart. That's our first dangerous prayer. Search me. And know my heart, it, that sounds like a poetic thing, and it is here in the book of Psalms. It doesn't sound that dangerous until you consider what God might actually find there. Let's see what God expects to find in our heart. Jeremiah 17, 9. The human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Wow, that's brutal. That's what God expects to find when he searches you and knows your heart. It's desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is, right? You read Romans 3, and it gives another rough description of humanity and what we're like. And, and there are some who would say that you can have zero good thought. You can have zero good inclination towards living something good or doing something good. You can have none of that without God's influence on your life, whether you're a believer or not. And whether you believe that or not, just take 2020 as an example. We have come face to face this year with our weaknesses and our hypocrisies, if not as individuals, then certainly as a society made up of individuals, right? Fighting for toilet paper looks really crazy until your house is the one that's empty. <laughs> Masks are really stupid until it's the guy next to you that's having a coughing fit, and you're like, mm, you're supposed to wear a mask, bro. Masks are a no-brainer. Everybody should wear one until they want your two-year-old to put one on, right? All of a sudden, maybe you're not down with that. We're all in this together until it's costing you something. So all of these different scenarios play out, and our reaction has been exactly what you expect. Our reaction as people has been completely brutal most of the time, and we find out that we are short-tempered, we are liars, we are self-centered in the bad way, we are mouthy, we are gluttons, we are gossips, we are materialistic, we're insecure, we're lustful, we're cowards, we're fakers, we're doubters. And so when we say, search me and know my heart, you got to kind of wonder what might be discovered there by God, what might be revealed to us, what might be asked of us in response to what is revealed. It's a healthy prayer, it's a transformative prayer, but it is a dangerous prayer. Search me. And David helps us out because uh, I want to make search me kind of the umbrella prayer, and he gives us some other things to include as a part of that 
prayer to search me. So verse 23 again, search me, God, know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. God, search me, and as you search me, reveal my fears. What makes you anxious? What are you afraid of? We're not talking about snakes and spiders. We're talking about fear of rejection. On the other side, maybe fear of intimacy. Maybe we're afraid of failure. Maybe we're afraid of success. Maybe we're afraid of loss or the unknown. Maybe we're afraid of never getting married. Maybe we're afraid of getting married and being stuck in a terrible marriage. This is a big deal because here's the thing. What we fear the most often reveals where we trust God the least. So you want to tweet that? Where we fear the most is often where we trust God the least. I'm afraid of something happening to our kids. Well, do you trust God with your children? I'm afraid of not having enough. Do you trust him to provide? I'm afraid of the, I'm, I'm anxious about my present relationships, potential future relationships. Well, do you forget that he knows what's best and that he has the best in mind for you? You have a fear of the unknown. Do you not trust that he's already there in the future waiting for you? Where am I anxious, God? Where do I have fear? Where am I lacking faith? Where am I lacking trust? Because what we're also saying is, in the midst of that, our heart is deceitful. And our heart will lie to us sometimes and say, God can't take care of that. God isn't going to come through there. You know that he won't do this thing that you're asking, right? You're going to have to do this thing, this fill-in-the-blank on your own. And so we have fear and doubt and anxiety instead of Jesus as the protector and provider and creator and miracle worker. And so we're saying, reveal my fears. God, I'm being led astray by my own heart. Reveal my fears as you search me. David continues on. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Reveal my fears and see if there is any offensive way in me. He says, God, uncover my sins. Uncover my sins. What is inconsistent about me in comparison with your truth? What is displeasing to you? What is something in my life that is out of alignment with what you've called me to be? And this is, this is easy to see in other people's lives, right? We can watch our kids or our spouse, our friends, people at church, people out in the world, and we can see things that they are doing wrong that God would disagree with. But when it comes to looking at ourselves, it's, diff- it's difficult. So a couple things that you can kind of be asking yourself as you're praying this prayer of God, search me, uncover my sins. Maybe, what are others trying to tell you? What are they trying to tell you without actually telling you, maybe? Maybe, maybe two or three people or more people have kind of hinted at it. They've mentioned it. They've brought it up kind of in a quick conversation. Maybe they've been a little bit passive-aggressive. Maybe they've used it in a joking way. Maybe they've, they've thrown it out as sarcasm, right? Maybe it's a tongue-in-cheek kind of a thing, like, ha you're... You struggle with that all the time. You, got, you better fix that. They, they, they throw it out there. They bring it to your attention, and you've had multiple people do that. What are other people trying to tell you, maybe without even actually telling you? Where are you most defensive? When something is brought up, when something's brought to your attention, where do you argue the hardest and defend yourself the hardest? Where do you have the quickest and best and most thought-out rebuttal to the thing that's brought to your attention. Where are you most defensive? And closely related to that, what do you routinely rationalize? Is there a place where you say, I, I can handle it, no big deal, I'm, I'm coping fine, I just got to battle through it. 
It's not that big of a deal. It's not hurting anyone. It's just going to take some time. This is a lifelong battle. You know, this is something that's going to be with me forever. And so, you just gotta, I just got to get through it. Or we think, oh, I got it. I just have a speck in my eye. They need to deal with their plank in their eye before I deal with the speck in my eye. What do you rationalize? We're asking God as he searches our heart to uncover our sin. And it's really an acknowledgement that you're not perfect. It's an acknowledgement that you need God to root something out. You, you know that he's the only one that can really handle it anyway. It's also acknowledgement that he already knows. This idea of search me, this isn't something where God needs to figure it out and God needs to find out what's in your heart. He already knows what's in your heart. This is a process of making sure you now know what's in your heart that he wants to deal with. In my life, it's been, uh, there's been a few things that kind of recurring things that I've had to go back to and battle with and bring to the Lord and people have brought to my attention. Things like, Justin, you work too hard, you care too much, you value people too much. And I promise you, I'm working on that. I'm doing my best to love a little bit less intensely. No, it's, but I, there have been things, things like um, I, I sometimes struggle in finding my identity outside of Christ, putting my identity, my value into work, into accomplishments, into scratching tasks off the task list. Um, as part of that, sometimes giving authority over my present and my future to people who have no right to that authority, who have never asked for that authority, um, struggling to find my identity in Christ and not outside of him. I, I oftentimes struggle with a fear of failure, a fear of letting people down, a fear of making the wrong decision, making the wrong call, having the wrong opinion, being on the wrong side of history, as we hear people saying these days. I don't like to be wrong. I, I fear what people will think if I'm wrong. I'm telling you, we, uh, there have been a couple Sundays over the last few years where we have snow days, where it's just too snowy, I'm telling you, I stew over that stuff constantly because I start thinking, oh man, what are they going to think if we cancel church and the weather really wasn't that bad? What happens if we have church and the weather was worse than what we thought? And I, it, in the long run, completely insignificant, but I don't want to be wrong because I'm afraid of what people are going to think if I make the wrong call or if I have the wrong opinion, putting too much weight on insignificant things, a fear of failure. Over my life, I've been too loose with hurtful comments, biting sarcasm, most of the time towards people that I love the most. And I've had no success on my own. I've had to have people let me know, hey, shouldn't have said that, shouldn't have done that. You're putting your value in the wrong things. You're fearful of the wrong things. Because in my own life, I don't see it, I don't feel it. Someone has to say it, someone has to remind me, and then God is the one that has to mess with me because I'm not strong enough on my own. I have to say, okay, Lord, it's there. Thanks for bringing it to my attention. Now, what are we going to do about it? And that brings us to the third aspect of this search me prayer. Because we're saying search me, we're saying uncover my fears, we're saying reveal the sin that I can't see. And when you show me what I need to see, what you've known all along, he finishes with this. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Uncover those fears, those anxious things. Is there any offensive way in me? Where is there sin in my life that I don't see? And then finally, lead me in the way everlasting. Lead me. Measure yourself against the only standard that matters. Jesus. Read through the Gospels. If you want to know what they say, read through the Gospels. What do you see? What do you hear? What life is being modeled for us there in Christ? How is faith taught? How is faith 
modeled. Measure yourself against that standard and that standard only. Now, that can be scary, but here's the thing. It's not going to be all bad because you're going to look at those things, and if we took 10 things that describe Jesus in his life, it's not, gonna be, it's not like God's going to sit down and be like, you screw up there, you screw up there, you're terrible at that, that's not good enough. He's not that boss that you had that one time who's just horrible with people. That's not what God is like. He's not looking for a better version of you so he can start loving you. That's not what he's about. But he will reveal those things and say, proud of you there. Good job. Hey, what about this thing? Somebody mentioned that to you a couple weeks ago and you kind of blew it off, but I'm going to keep bringing that to your attention. This is something I want you to work on. I want you to make that look like it looked in Jesus' life. Measure yourself against that standard. And when we do that, when we compare it with what God says about us and about himself in Scripture, then we can take those things that, that he's revealed that we're afraid of, that we're anxious about, and say, okay, instead of fear, 1 John four eighteen, there is no fear in love, but perfect love, God's love, drives out fear. 2 Timothy 1, 7, the spirit God gave us when we gave our hearts and lives to him, the spirit that he puts in us is not a spirit that makes us timid, but it gives us power. When he reveals sin in our life and our first response is to hide and feel guilty and shame, he says, no, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and he'll purify us from those sins. Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, even in the midst of those things that he digs up in our life, Jesus died for us. And ultimately, in response to whatever he's leading you to be, whatever he's leading you to do, whatever he wants to weed out of your life, whatever seed he wants to plant in your life, whatever you discover, whatever God reveals, it's simply a revelation of your need for Jesus and his truth in that area of your life. Not for you to work harder, not for you to accomplish more tasks for him, not for you to figure it out on your own, not for you to ignore it, but simply for you to fill that area of your life with Jesus and his truth truth, allowing his grace upon grace to be poured out on you in those areas that need it the most. It's giving him authority, giving, giving him the freedom to reveal it and work it out. Amen, my Search me, God. Search me. It feels easy, but it's dangerous in the best possible way. Search me, God. Uncover that sin. Root out the fear. Lead me back to your way, the way of everlasting. There's a place where it needs to start. It starts with a relationship with Jesus. Because without him, it's all just self-help, right? It's all just another, another strategy. It has to begin with a relationship with Jesus. And I don't know everybody here. I don't know where you're coming from. I don't know where your heart is at. So I want to give you an opportunity this morning. Because here's the reality. Faith is not about what your grandma believed. It's not about what your parents are doing. It's about you and the decision that you've made to trust Jesus and place your faith in him. And this is what it's about. It's simply acknowledging that Jesus is God, that you believe he came to earth because we needed help and he lived a perfect life and then died as a sacrifice for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that we, with no ability to be righteous, no ability to be worthy of him, we could take on his worthiness and his righteousness and receive that because of his sacrifice. And if you believe that, if you put your heart and life and faith on that, trust, on that truth, you're forgiven and you're made new and you enter into the family of God. Do me a favor, bow your head and close your eyes this morning. 
If you've never made that decision, if you've never believed and declared that truth for yourself, maybe today is the day. And you just say, God, I, I love you. God, I've heard the truth before. I've ignored the truth before. I've placed my faith and my trust in so many other things. But today is the day I trust you. I believe what you've said. I believe that Jesus is who he said he was and did what he said he would do. I put my faith in you now. I put my trust in you now. I give you my whole heart and my whole life. And from this point forward, help me to love you and live for you. Amen. Guys, if you made that decision this morning, if you made any decision as a result of anything that has happened around here, maybe there's something just going on in your life. Maybe there are things you're struggling with that you want prayer for. Uh, let us help you. Let us encourage you. Let us pray for you. Uh, you can throw it on a connection card, as I said, back at the info center table. You can email us. Um, you can let us know any way you need to because this life, this journey, this faith was not meant to be done alone. So let us know how we can help. Sometimes we can recommend a book or a study or a song or a person to talk to. Let us help you. Let us encourage you. Let us walk this journey with you. Uh, it's a big deal. Well, at this point, the, the team's going to come and they're going to lead us through one more song as we enter into this time of communion. Um, and, you know, if, you, if you've been around Fieldstone, it's not going to be super unusual to the ways we've done it before, but we want to start doing, um, we're going to do communion all three weeks of this series. And what I'd love for you to do during this time is challenge yourself and maybe even be willing to pray that dangerous prayer, to pray, search me. And give God the freedom to dig in and dig up some things that you need to be aware of and that he wants to do in your life. But even aside from that, the Lord's Supper was designed as an opportunity for us to remember him and remember what he did back then, remember what he continues to do in us today. And so if you're here and you're a believer, even if you're not a regular attender of Fieldstone, we'd encourage you to take part in this with us. Use this as, as an opportunity to reflect and remember and evaluate where you're at with Christ if you're not yet a follower of Christ, we'd ask you to uh, refrain this morning. But if you're here and you're a Christ follower, we'd encourage you to jump in. And these guys are going to sing this next song. And as they play, feel free to sit and sing, stand and sing, sit and pray, rest in that, however you want. Uh, but as communion goes on and as we get into this song, and even after service, what we also want to do throughout this series is give you an opportunity. If you need to just talk with someone or pray with someone, um, as we wrap up today, I'll be up front. I'm available. Uh, a few ladies from our prayer team are going to be available. And if, if it feels awkward to come up here, you just not, don't, don't want to be in public, um, you can meet them over by that door on the, the side of the wall there, and they'll take you a little bit more of a private spot and talk with you and pray with you. Um, whatever you need, we want to be available to you because sometimes things just feel too big. And so I challenge you in this moment, give it to God. And then if necessary... Let us help you.